Good morning. Yes, it is a bittersweet day, um, but let's get into the word where we find our strength. Again, oh, let me tell you where we're at. I don't know if it's on the board yet or not. John 8, and we're going to be reading uh, verses 12 through 59. John 8, 12 through 59. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light, life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witnesses about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sins. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are this world, and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he who will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have such to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you... How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The sin does not remain in the house forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father, Jesus said to them. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, that I heard from God, that this, not, this is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I said? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You of your... You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He has a murderer from the beginning and, was, and does not stand in the truth, because this is not truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. 
but true, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convinced me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not bear or you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon because I honor my father and you dishonor him. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets, dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. You have, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, because Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to gather and to hear your word, Lord. We thank you so much for your son and your word, Lord. I just pray that your word will fall on open ears, open hearts, and open minds this morning, Lord God. I just pray that you just keep us alert, keep us informed, and may your word become our life, Lord God. Let us not just Leave your word here in this place, but take it out into the world, Lord. I just ask that we can be light in this dark world, Lord God. And I do, I do want to lift up our nation to you, Lord God, as, as we are divided once again. Um, and I just pray, Lord, that we, we seek you, Jesus. We don't seek a, a party. We don't seek um, anything that would divide us, Lord. I just, I just pray that you will... Uh, just continue to lead and guide us, Lord. Meet us here in this place. Anoint Pastor Jackie as he uh, teaches your word here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Just pretty. Okay, so we find ourselves in the text of scripture dealing with the sixth discourse of Jesus. There are seven discourses that Jesus, that John is built around dealing with his uh, outreach to the public. So we're almost at the end of his public teaching and it will become private. The gospel of John is developed around seven miracles, seven public discourses, and seven I am statements. And this discourse, number six, this discourse begins with the second I am statement. I am the light of the world. So listen, what Jesus is declaring to the masses and to you and I is that the only way you're going to be able to understand your world is if you look at it through the lens of Christ. If we look at the world through any other lens, it's just going to uh, rob you of your wind. You'll find yourself struggling and needing more endurance. You'll find yourself wanting to give up or isolate or hide away or whatever things may come. But if we look at the world through the light of the world, through Jesus Christ, we understand the purpose, right? What was his purpose? The Bible tells us 
The Bible tells in the Gospel of John that he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. The Bible told us the Old Testament prophets spoke and they said, when Messiah comes, that's my words, when Messiah comes, he will bring light to the nations, the goyim. The, the Gentiles will see. The, the prophet said that he would go to the Galilee and they would see a bright light. And that light would lead the people, would call the people to direction. The Bible is built around this idea, this concept, this revelation from the Father to his creation on the path to walk, the way to walk. Jesus, when he calls the disciple, what does he say to them? Come follow me, right? The book of Proverbs, what does it describe for us? The way, the, the walk of the wise, right? The path of wisdom, following the path of wisdom, following the direction <clears throat> that the Lord God would give. The scripture lays out for us this incredible call, this call to, to follow the path of life. What did John say? That in him, in Christ, was light, and that light was the life of men. You want to find the path of life. We want to see how to live. What is it that God wants for me? All of those questions are all answered in a person. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the light. We who hear, receive from the Father the word of revelation in his word will respond. In John chapter 10, what's he going to say? My sheep do what? They hear my voice and they come when I call, right? And how is it that we hear his voice? The word of God declares. John chapter 6 verse 44 and 45 lays out for us this idea. How is it that we are called? We are called through the word of the Father spoken in times past by the prophets and in these last days through Jesus Christ, his son. So this is the call. Now men will hear that call and we see them here in John chapter eight. They're hearing, right? Jesus is speaking. What are they doing? They are rejecting. They're turning away. They're closing their ears, putting fingers in their ears. When Isaiah was sent to the people, what did God say? Go ahead and go, Isaiah. I want you to, to go, and I want the people to have the witness of my word. But this people is rebellious and hard in their heart, and they won't hear you. What about Jeremiah? Forty years of ministry Jeremiah spent, and the people, all the way to his dying day, wouldn't listen to a word he said because of the hardness of heart. Rebellion, turning away from his word. The book of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 3, how does that happen? It, it is caused by unbelief. It's caused by unbelief. Beware lest any of you have an evil heart of unbelief so that you will not enter my rest. Who's our rest? Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. He's the rest. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will what? I will give you rest. So Jesus standing there before the people and proclaiming to the people, right? I am the light of the world. And the people, there are those who believed him, right? So then Jesus breaks it down and he says, look, I want to tell you what it means to be a true disciple, a, a true follower of Christ. And so he lays it out. He, he tells them, look, if you're going to be a true follower, follower of me, then you're going to obey the word. Matthew chapter seven says, Jesus says, uh, many in that day will call me Lord, Lord. And I will say what? Depart from me, workers of iniquity. Why? I never knew you. I never knew you. Jesus calling them. Now, the crowd begins to, the, the leaders, the religious leaders there in the crowd, they begin to try to discredit Jesus. That's where we're at. We're going to pick it up in verse 48. So if you're curious about the previous 
go online. It's all online. You can download it and, and catch a listen. But we can see they're trying to discredit Jesus. Now they're trying to stop the people from believing him. They're trying to stop the work that he has begun. And so uh, they make an accusation, verse 48, right? They say to him, the Jews answered and said, are we not right in saying you are a Samaritan and a demon? Now you remember the things in this discourse have degraded and Jesus just told them that they were of their father, the devil. So the gloves came off, right? And so while they're trying to think of uh, uh, the next put down for Christ, they say, you're a Samaritan. Now a Samaritan, one of the things that you, you may miss by the idea of, of them calling Jesus a Samaritan is the Samaritans were, were kind of off cast, right? They were mixed blood. They were not Welcome. They took the word, uh, the Torah, and they changed it. And they developed their own scriptures. And they weren't welcome at the temple, so they built their own temple. In fact, you can visit that temple in Israel today. They still have sacrifices there. So they call them a Samaritan because the Samaritans would say, you are to the Jew. The Samaritans would say to the Jew, you are not the chosen people. And so what Jesus was saying to these religious leaders, you're not of my, you say you're of God, but you're not of God. If you were of God, you follow me. You would receive the things I'm saying. If you were hearing the voice of the father, you would be responding to me. So they're calling him a Samaritan. Now the word is Aramaic for Samaritan here. And that word for Samaritan, part of what they're laying out, part of what they're saying it's a, a, a racial slur that also carries with it the idea of de, a demon. So one word laid out, you're a Samaritan, you don't think we really belong in the family of God, you must have a demon. So this is the thing that they're trying to challenge him. They're trying to challenge Jesus and make an accusation. It's not the first time Jesus has heard he has a demon, right? Every time somebody says, every time Jesus says something that they don't like, he has a demon. You're crazy. You ever have a discussion with somebody and every time you think you made a good point, they tell you you're crazy? What's, that's Bible speak. In Bible days, they would have said, instead of saying you're crazy, they say, you got a demon. You got a demon. They're telling him, hey, you, you have a demon. So Jesus answers them and he says, I do not have a demon. I honor my father and you dishonor me. Now, part of what this discourse has been laying out, the way that Jesus honors the Father is by being obedient to the Father. All right? And when we talk about being obedient to the Father, we want to understand that the way the Father revealed himself to the people was through the scriptures, right? Through the prophets, through Moses and the prophets, they delivered the word. And so people who are being obedient to the word that God delivered are the ones listening to, to the Father's voice and whose hearts are prepared to receive Messiah. But when we see this, Jesus is saying, I honor my Father, I'm being obedient. What were the guys thinking about that were, getting, that were gathered around him? We've already seen it earlier in previous chapters, they're trying to figure out how to kill him. Now, who is it, Jesus already discussed this, who is it that is the father of murder? Yeah, the devil. So it's hard for, for these guys to make the, you, you, anyone can make any assertion they want, right? You can say anything you want. But if it's real, you ought to, it ought to look like what you say, right? If you say you're an athlete, you ought to look like one. Yeah, that's why you'll never hear me say I'm an athlete. <laughs> I, I might say I was an athlete, but I do not say I am an athlete. I'm an old man who rides motorcycles. That's what I do. My wife bought me a bike, and I told her, if it doesn't have a motor, I don't do it. So there's a brand new bicycle in my garage with two flat tires, because I will not ever ride it. She bought me a kayak, and I told her, I only do things that have motors. So there's a kayak. We have two kayaks in my garage. That's why when Kathy goes kayaking, she always has an extra kayak for anybody who wants to go with her. I, I, I'm an old man. I get to do what I want. 
When I was a young man, my dad told me what I had to do, and I had to do it. And then my coach told me, and then the Marine Corps told me, and then my boss told me, and then one day I said, I'm old enough to tell myself. (laughs) So, I do not say I'm an athlete, but these guys, they're saying they follow God, yet they're thinking or planning on killing Jesus. Those two things don't go together. Those two things don't go together. And if I'm, if I'm honest with you, some of the current things going on in our world today, I have a hard time putting those two things together. I have a hard time putting together the support for abortion and Christianity. Since God is a God of life. And I'm sorry, I'm, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, so don't worry. Uh, but I don't care what the reason is. So there's never a time where you take and kill the victim for something somebody else did. So, but I have a hard time equating those, right? I'm a believer, a follower of Christ, the light of the world, the the life of mankind, the way of life and the path of wisdom, but I support this. I I just have a hard time equating those. And that's what Jesus is saying here to these guys. I, I can't equate what you're saying. You're making an assertion that you're following God, but you're not hearing the words that I'm saying, right? You're not able to, to hear the stuff that I'm talking about. You, you say, I have a demon, but Jesus is saying, I follow God. I'm obedient. I'm being obedient to what the word of God lays out for me. So he honors the father. In Malachi 1.6, listen, Malachi 1.6, it says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. This is God speaking in Malachi 1. If then I am a father, where's my honor? God's talking to the nation of Israel. If I'm a father, if I'm your father, he says, where's my honor? If I am a master, where's my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you. O priests who despise my name, they hate him. This is what God said in Malachi 400 years before Christ. They, they, they despise my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? And the Lord goes on to say, you would not take to your governor a three-legged lamb or the blind or the sick or the lame, but that's what you give me. You give me the leftovers, the cast-offs, the stuff that doesn't matter. This was the way God said, look, you're not honoring me. So the Lord spoke this in Malachi. Now listen, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, it tells us the natural man cannot discern the things of the spirit, right? Their foolishness to them. And in that chapter in Corinthians, it's talking about two focuses of wisdom, the natural man and the spiritual man. Not, I don't believe he's talking about the regenerate man and the unregenerate man. I believe he's talking about the man who says he, is, he can receive truth and wisdom from the spirit, from scriptural things, and the man who says, no, I can only receive truth and wisdom from worldly things, natural and spiritual, natural and spiritual. Spiritual man will hear the word of God, which within the word of God has the seed of faith, right? Faith comes by and hearing by the word of God, the word of the revelation of God. But the man who has rejected the spiritual, what was it that when the scripture tells us that that God uh, chose Jacob and rejected Esau. What is it we learn about Esau? Esau hated his birthright, right? Esau hated his birthright. His birthright was that which made him the priest of the family. It gave him the priestly authority of the family. Every family had a priest. Gave him the priestly authority of the family. He hated that. He didn't care about that. He cared about the stuff. When he found out he lost the stuff, he was bummed, right? But he didn't care. He was the natural man. He didn't care about the things of the spirit. So that he, his ears are deaf when God calls. When, when a prophet would come and speak the word, if all you want is the world's wisdom, if all you want is what this world can give you, you'll never hear what God is saying. Because all you want is worldly wisdom. All you want to rely on is your own reasoning. What was wrong with these guys? All they cared about was what they, the power they had in the world. Did they care that the word of God said 400 years earlier in, in just one place, I could, I could have picked multiple places, in one place the word of God said, word from the Father to his people, you dishonor me, your hearts are far from me, you are not about 
your father's business. Does, did it matter to them that that was ever spoken? I bet they could have quoted Malachi to you, but it never penetrated, never moved from their head. Never penetrated their heart because they didn't want it. They could care less. So now the son of God standing before them, the word of God giving them the greatest commentary of all times, the greatest commentary is the word of God on the word of God, right? Jesus, is there a better commentary than Jesus speaking about the word? No, he's it. So you have Jesus there delivering the word, telling him, look, I honor my father. You dishonor me. You're not following the ways of God. You're not hearing what the prophets said before. So because of the sin of unbelief, your hearts are hardened and you cannot see. So Jesus says in verse 50, yet I do not seek my own glory. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge, referring to the father. The father, the, 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 Jesus is saying, look, I'm not here to, to proclaim or elevate me. In fact, the book of Hebrews would say he was made a little lower than the angels. That Jesus Christ in the incarnation takes this incredible step of humility and the addition of humanity to his deity and he takes this incredible step. We, we will never, we could spend eternity trying to fathom the step from God to man. And I don't know if we'll ever get it. But he takes this step, this walk of humility, our humble king. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, So therefore, because of that, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. Right? The name above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is curios. He is Lord. He is master. He is king. And what does this do? That glorifies the Father. These people who say we're followers of God and we want to glorify God, but they don't care about his son, they can't glorify him because the way you glorify God is to bow the knee to his son and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's how you glorify the Father, by believing the Son. This is how it is done. So Jesus says in verse 51, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. We have another I am statement coming up in a few chapters in John chapter 11. After uh, Lazarus has died, Jesus is going to look at Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, right? And he's going to say, I am the resurrection and the life. He's going to say, if you believe in me, you never die. Because in Christ, death has become the doorway to his presence. Once upon a time, death was separation from God. When Jesus says you never die, it doesn't mean you're not going to suffer physical death, that this body we have is not going to wear out. It is going to wear out. But that death is a doorway into the presence of God. Where you see Jesus' face immediately, where Jesus is going to cover you in his robe, the robe of his righteousness. And according to Jude 24 and 25, it is his intense joy and pleasure to usher you before the Father and present you before the Father spotless, perfect, because you've been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ because you are his own. So Jesus says, you never die. Chuck Smith used to say, it's just moving day. I'm just going to move. Yeah, I'm going to leave all the junk behind. I don't want none of it. I'm just going to go be in the presence of God Almighty. So Jesus makes this proclamation. If you keep my word, if you treasure, if you value my word, if you obey my word, if you hold my word, 
you hold on to it every over and over and over and over and over again. Scripture is going to talk about this idea of knowing the word, treasuring the word, keeping the word, obeying the word, honoring God. So Jesus is laying out, listen, if you keep my word, you'll never die. If you keep his word, you'll hear him say, come and follow me. If you keep his word, you will hear him call you to salvation. You will hear the draw of the father. You will come to the son and he will raise you up on the last day. John chapter six. If you keep my word, he says, you will never, you will never see death. So they're, they're trying again to discredit his testimony. Now they're going to try to devalue his importance. Okay, look, the Jews say to him, now we know you're crazy. Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets died. Now, there's a couple of times where, where Jesus and other gospels says, yeah, but the prophets are all dead because of you. Right? Which one of, which one of the prophets did your fathers not kill? The faithful men who brought the word. Right? To the ones who didn't care about the spiritual things. They only wanted the worldly things. They only wanted the things of the world. So they say, we know, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets died. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets uh, who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? So they're again attacking his claim convinced he's got some kind of demonic (coughs) influence but again you see here no reliance on heavenly wisdom no reliance on what the word of god said only only place their reliance is on is on their own reasoning their own ability to assert ideas their own ability to think had nothing to do with what the word of god said They wanted the honor of men. That's why they would always quote other rabbis. They would say, well, here's an idea by rabbi such and such, and here's a thing by rabbi this and that. And they wanted someone one day to say, hey, here's a rabbi, here's an idea from this rabbi. They wanted to be quoted. They wanted to be upheld. They wanted to be honored by men. Again, Jesus said in John chapter 6, this is why you don't hear from the Lord. Because you don't want... God's glory, you want personal glory. An evil heart of unbelief. And so they have no reliance on what the scripture says. Well, what does the scripture say? Isaiah 9 says, But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he, was, he made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan. That's the area known as the Galilee. Can you think of somebody who was in the Galilee recently bringing light? Galilee of the nations, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. How did Jesus start this discourse? I am what? I am, ego I me, I am the light of the world. Had he already been walking through the Galilee? Sure, a couple of times the Pharisees would say, ah, nothing good ever happens in the Galilee. But that's not what the word of God said. The word of God said the light would be dawned there, that the light would come. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6 says that then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. What is Isaiah talking about? Isaiah 35, the coming of Messiah. The coming of Messiah. How would you recognize the coming of Messiah? The eyes of the blind would be open. How would you recognize the ears of the deaf? Jesus said, when they said, how can you bear witness of yourself? You remember what he said? My deeds bear witness of me. The things I've done bear witness of me. What had he done so far? Well, he made the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the dead to rise. But there's 
There's no hearing of the word. There is only hard-heartedness and a desire to have personal glory. In Psalm 40, verse 6, it says, In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. So then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. Who's talking? David's writing it. Who's talking? Jesus is talking. He even said those exact words in this discourse to the Pharisees. He said those words. Shouldn't it go off in her head? That's Psalm 40. He's quoting Psalm 40 at us. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, oh my God. What does Jesus say over and over again? I only do the things my father gives me to do. Say the things my father gives me to say. These are the witnesses that I am, who I said I am. Your law is within my heart. But you see, their reasoning runs like this. This claim is something bigger than anything accomplished by the greatest of the ancients. Nobody else ever talked like this. Nobody else ever did anything like this. It never once occurs to them that their ideas could be false. That their reasoning could be wrong. He talks like nobody's ever talked. He's done things nobody's ever done. So they want to know from Jesus, are you greater than our father Abraham? Now, he's already said, you're not the father. Who is Abraham the father of? What does the Bible say? Who is Abraham the father of? He is the father of those who believe. He's the father of those who have faith. Are these guys full of faith? Do they believe? Do they have a hard heart? Are they walking in unbelief? Are they not entering into their rest, even as the writer of Hebrews declared? So Jesus answers in verse 54. Jesus answered and said, If I glorify myself, <coughs> my glory is nothing. It is the Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. So the question we ask ourselves is, How has the Father glorified the Son? We haven't read it yet, but in John chapter 17, we know that the Father glorified the Son in eternity past. In John 17, verse 4, it says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory which I had with you before the world began. So how did the Father glorify the Son? He glorified him in eternity past. He glorified him at his baptism. He glorified him at the transfiguration, right? Where the Lord spoke, the Father spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him at the transfiguration. He, he uh, glorifies his son in the miracles. Every miracle that Jesus did was God glorifying his son responding to his son. The eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer, the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy, waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams of the desert. Remember when Jesus was standing outside that, that well where the Samaritan woman was? Remember what he told her? If you knew who I was, you'd ask me for living water and I'd give it to you. The Lord is reminding them that the Father has glorified him. But he says in verse 55, but you have not known him, I know him. If I were to say I do not know him, I'd be a liar like you. That's like one of those left-handed, I don't even know if that's a left-handed compliment. That's probably a right-handed rebuke. <laughs> I'd be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Jesus reminds them, look, I am the truth. He's going to say later on, I am the way, the, and the, 
No man comes to the Father except through me. He's declaring, look, I'm the truth. I'm not lying. I'm speaking everything that Jesus just kind of boggles my mind. Everything Jesus said was the word of God. Everything he said. Every word he spoke was the word of God. Because he is God, the word. So he's declaring these things to him. I, I am the truth. I don't lie. And then... In verse 56, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Now, the question we ask ourselves is, what was Jesus talking about? Abraham rejoiced to see his day. So, so we can line this up. In a minute, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees are going to say, you're not yet 55 or 50 years old or whatever. <clears throat> That wouldn't matter. Abraham was 2,100 years ago. That's a long time. At the time of Christ. Uh, and I don't mean from us. <laughs> 2,100 years ago, Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. What was it that he was referring to? There's a lot of ideas and views about this. And to be honest, I, I really have never heard one I don't like. I think, I think Jesus probably meant them all. My favorite one is when the Lord and two angels were passing by the way on the way to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah to bring judgment. And Abraham saw them passing by. His hospitality was so great, he rushes out to them. And he gets them to stop and he feeds them, Right? And it's in that conversation, several things happen, right? He recognizes that the Lord is there. Abraham saw my day and was glad. The Bible says that, that Abraham was looking for a city that had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so Abraham, looking forward, would have seen the day of Christ. When Abraham's son, the son of promise, was born, the son of promise through which a seed would come that would bless all the nations, which is referring to Christ, in his own child being born at old age, he would have rejoiced to see the coming of Messiah. My son. Laughter. There's a lot of ways Abraham rejoiced at seeing his Lord. And all of them are true. All of them uh, bring reference. In the offering of his son, in the offering of, <laughs> of Isaac, you know, I think when every time, like Genesis 12, when Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, I, I think he was seeing the Lord, believing God's promise. Uh, in the offering of Isaac, Hebrews 11, verse 13 says, these all died in faith. This is the hall of faith. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the world. For people who speak this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they wouldn't have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. Anybody else feel that way? They desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac, your offspring will be named, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he had, or he did, receive him back. So we look at this act, right? I love it when they're walking up and, and uh, Isaac looks at his dad and says, hey, we, we have wood in the fire, where's the sacrifice? One of my favorite names of God. Yahweh Yireh. 
The Lord will provide himself the lamb. And so they get up there, right? The Lord stops the sacrifice. God stops Abraham from sacrificing his son. What was caught in the thicket? Ram, right? So that they could make their offering. But there was another son that was going to come for an offering. And he, the father, wouldn't stop. His name is Jesus. He is the Lamb of God. He is the provision of Yahweh Yireh, the Lord, our provider. So they're listening to Jesus talk about this, talking about Abraham <coughs> um, uh, rejoicing to see his day. In verse 57, so the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham. Well, as a matter of fact, yes, right? Uh, couldn't he say yes? Didn't Jesus see Abraham? Did Jesus talk to Abraham? Sure he did. For sure he did. What is it the gospel of John tells us? No man has seen God at any time. The only God in the bosom of the Father reveals God to us. The Son reveals the Father. So every time anyone in the Old Testament ever saw God, who'd they see? They saw Jesus. Every time. Scripture will tell us that the voice of the burning bush, who is that? That's Jesus. That's the word of God. So if it's the word of God, that's, that's Jesus being, being seen, being shown. They're seeing him. Did Jesus see Abraham? For sure he did. So in verse 58, Jesus makes the most incredible statement, one of the most incredible statements in the Gospel of John. Before Abraham was, he chose these words on purpose, before Abraham ever existed, I'll give you my, my uh, translation. Before Abraham ever existed, I am eternal God. Before Abraham ever existed, ego I me. I am. That's the divine name. I know it's a divine name, and I know they knew it's a divine name because I see what they did next. Did they say, we need to take you to court because you're blaspheming? They say, no, they lost their ever-loving mind, didn't they? They're on the Temple Mount, and they start looking around for stones to stone him. Yes? Jesus absolutely declares himself to be Yahweh. The great I am. He's already done it two other times in this chapter. In verse 24, he said, unless you believe, ego I me, unless you believe I am, you will die in your sin. He's not saying unless you believe I exist. That's not what he's saying. He's quoting the name of God. He's quoting God's name. He's laying it out right there. He's declaring to the people, before Abraham was, I am eternal God. Psalm 92, 90 verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This is the declaration that he is making. In Exodus, <coughs> in Exodus chapter 3, there's so many places to go, but in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is asking God, who shall I say is sending me? Because if you just show up to a bunch of people, right, and you say, God gave me a message for you, how do people respond to that? You think they respond different nowadays than they did back then? Um, who sent you? God sent me. I have a message to you from God. So Moses said, you need to tell me your name, God. Do you know? God never told his name to anyone before Moses. No one knew his name, Yahweh. No one ever saw that name until Moses. He revealed himself to Abraham. But the Bible says Moses, he spoke to face to face, right? Like a man speaks to a friend. What's that mean? He revealed himself. Moses knew his name. 
Tell them I am has sent you. That's what Yahweh said. Yahweh means tell them I am that I am. That's what it means. I am that I am. I am everything you need. I am the becoming one. And mankind from the time of Moses forward has been struggling with God saying to man, I want you to know me. I want you to know me. I want you to know me. And man's response would be, I want to know you, so who are you? And John comes on the scene in the Gospel of John and he gives us seven I am statements that declare to us who the Son revealed the Father was. And in this one, he said, I am the light of the world. Claiming divine name. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sin. Claiming the divine name. Before Abraham was, I am eternal God. Before Abraham was, I am. Declaring the divine name. Each time Jesus giving revelation to who God is. He is, according to the writer of Hebrews, the greatest revelation of God. Right? God in times past spoke to us through the prophets as in these last days spoken to us through his son. Jesus Christ, the greatest revelation that we have through Christ. Who is himself the word of God. Which is why we ought to keep his word. Hold fast to the things that God delivers unto us. It says in verse 59, so they picked up stones to, to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So immediately they pick up stones. Their passions were incensed. They're so mad. Why are they so mad? Because Jesus said he existed? No. What did he say? He said, I am eternal God. And they all lost their ever-loving mind. And they reached down to pick up stones. And right now, at the time of Christ, where they were still doing the remodel on the temple. And, the, and so there's stones all over the place. Now, if you've ever been to the Temple Mount, actually, if you've ever been in Jerusalem, well, if you've ever been in Israel, you can find a stone everywhere. You don't have to be at a quarry to find a stone. They're every place. They, we, you and I, we build houses out of sticks. They build houses out of stones. You don't find wood homes, stone homes. So they pick up stones. They're going to go stone them. They're going to put them down. I need you to see this because the, the scripture, the ESV says Jesus hid himself. And that's probably not a super strong translation because the word, the, the verb is passive. The verb is passive. Jesus was hidden from them. Because the Bible already told us it was not his time. It's not the last time we're going to see him pick up stones to stone him. It's not the last time men have, are, are going to want to put him down there is a day coming one day where jesus is not going to in fact he's going to put himself on the tree right Isn't that what he said no one takes my life from me what do i do i give it you can't take it you think they could kill jesus no you could not kill him no he has to give his life you remember the last words he he, he says from the cross, most movies have him saying them all quiet, but he don't say it quiet. According to the scripture, he says it loud. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. They didn't kill him. He surrendered. He gave himself. That's what the scripture declares. He gave himself. Jesus Christ said that if the son is lifted up, he would do what? I will draw all men to myself. If I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. The word of God goes out. 
And man will either respond because he values the spiritual or man will reject because he values the worldly, the natural. He will either be drawn by the by the scripture or the scripture. The scripture, the Bible says Isaiah 55, the word of God always accomplishes what it's sent to do. Yes? Always accomplishes what it's sent to do. What you need to understand is to the man whose heart is hardened and turned from God, the word of God accomplishes judgment. You're guilty. To the one whose heart is prepared to respond to the word of God, it accomplishes salvation. The same word does both. The same word brings salvation. The same word brings condemnation. That man will just be more guilty before the Lord. If there is such a thing as more guilt, guilty is guilty. Kind of like evil's evil and good is good. So we, we see this proclamation come through the word. It's, it's funny to me because Paul will say, isn't it kind of weird that the Lord chose to do this through the message preached? We can either say that that message is preached just out of obedience and that's all it's good for, or we can recognize that the message preached is the method that God either brings condemnation or salvation. For those who love the word, who keep it, who treasure it, who respond to it, to those who respond to the re- revelation of God, more revelation will be given. Jesus leaves the temple. He walks away. There's some picture in that as well. We're not going to see him back into the temple now until he comes to be examined, the sacrifice. But until that time now, he's, he's turned from there and he's going out like the word of God declared. The light will be shown in the Galilee of the Gentiles. The light will go. But don't forget the first place it declared itself to be the light of the world was right there in Jerusalem. Amen? Why don't you guys stand with me and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, Lord God. I thank you for the opportunity we have to come to study, to open your word, God. It is our firm conviction and desire that we would allow the word to change us. It's not our job to change the word. It is our job to conform to the word. What does the word say? God, I pray that we would be good students of your word. In conjunction with Hosea, that the Lord declared, listen, I, I long for my people to be faithful to me and to know me. And the only way that we can do either of those things is through his word. What is it that the Lord requires? The only reason we know that is because of the word of God. The prophet spoke, you know, man, what does the Lord require? To love justice, to, to, uh, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. We know the things that God requires because we keep his word. God, I pray in accordance with your word that the word of God would accomplish its purpose. That anything I said is confusing or, or just strike it from the minds, Lord God. Take the words of man away and leave the word of God behind. I pray, Lord God, that each and every man and woman and child in this place would come to a place that they long for the spiritual, that I want to hear from you, God. I pray, Lord, that they, that you would grant them ears that hear, 
Because every letter in the book of Revelation has this phrase, let him who has ears to hear, let him who wants to know, let him who has a desire to know the Father, let him who has ears to hear, hear the things that the Spirit is speaking to the churches. God, I pray that we would look at our world and the chaos that it's in now, Lord, and the struggles and, and the division that happens almost every election. But, Lord, I, I just pray that the church would know her responsibility. Her responsibility is to make disciples of every nation, to take the word that Jesus Christ delivered to every nation, to lay it out before the people so that Isaiah 55 will be accomplished. Either it brings judgment or salvation, but it's God's word. It has the power to bring life. God, I pray that we would desire to speak life into our cities, our towns, our states, our neighbors, our family that we would speak forth the words of life, Jesus, that you would empower those words of life. God, that you would grant men the heart of repentance that they might turn and hear and be saved. Lord God, be glorified in this place. As we look to you, we believe you. We know you are who you say you are. We pray that you would do a perfect work in and through us in Jesus' name. Amen.